All right, everybody, welcome to episode three of Danalytics. Got a great episode for you today. We're going to talk about the epic Elite Eight matchups from the weekend. I'll go into detail about what I call the code, and that is the code when it comes to talking trash to fans of other teams, when it's appropriate, when it is not. And then lastly, I want to take a deep Danalytic dive into breaking down the recipe to what it takes to become a March Madness legend. We had a few legendary moments over the last four or five days. We're going to look at those and talk about what it takes to become a March Madness legend. Please subscribe and rate uh, five stars on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you listen. Appreciate it. It's time for episode three of Danalytics. All right, all right. Thank you for joining us here on episode three of Danalytics. What a weekend in college hoops. I'm sitting here fresh after a Duke loss. And for those of you who know me, I ride or die with the Dukies. So this pains me uh, to do this podcast and Duke not reach Minneapolis, but the podcast must go on. And so I want to break down some of these amazing Elite Eight games to tip off the show. This, we've been waiting for this all tournament. I don't think the first round of 32 and 64 really delivered, but these Elite Eight games have been incredible. I have watched every minute of it from my couch, and it's been a treat. So let's take it game by game here. Um, The first game was Virginia um, versus Purdue. This game went to overtime, back and forth. Some incredible shot making on both sides, but particularly particularly by Purdue's Carson Edwards, just hitting some unbelievable threes. The run that this man had in the tournament, hitting more threes than anyone ever has in four games in the tournament, he was just getting buckets. But congrats to Virginia, who made the Final Four. First in the Coach Bennett era. thought it was really cool, actually, to see um, Tony Bennett's dad, Dick Bennett, the famous coach as well, who coached at Wisconsin, watching him in the stands, just seeing how nervous he was, supporting his son, the embrace after the game from one coach to another. It's pretty cool. Um, coach Tony Bennett and his dad are just class acts, stand-up guys. I also wanted to highlight a cool moment that you might not have seen if you're a casual fan, but that I followed, I saw on Twitter. So Virginia hit a buzzer beater to force overtime. They were down two. Um, and it was kind of like a steal, or sorry, it was the missed free throw, which we'll talk about in a second, that got tipped out. And then the pass to Mamadou Diakite, who hit the shot at the buzzer. And right before overtime tipped, Carson Edwards and him kind of like exchanged a smile and a shrug. Just It's crazy. Like in the heat of competition, probably the most competitive moment of those guys' lives. They're able to kind of smirk at each other and smile. I just thought it was a cool moment. Um, one more thing to talk about. So Matt Painter, Purdue's coach, chose to foul. They were up three single digits on the clock. He chose to foul, which a lot of people are on that bandwagon. I want to just get that out there that I am not a fan of fouling to put a guy on the free throw line. Um, It's all about the percentages and the analytics. And I don't know exactly what the analytics say on this, but here's my opinion. Um, Putting a guy on the free throw line when you're down three, it just creates a lot of opportunities for you to lose the game. Okay, one, he can make two free throws and they can get a turnover, and then they could score and win the game, okay? They could make one free throw and then hit like a tap-out three-pointer, and you can lose the game. So my thought as a coach is if you're going to put yourself a scenario where there's more chances to lose a game, I'm not a fan of that. You know what I mean? 
If you don't foul and they hit a three at the buzzer, what's the worst that can happen? You go to overtime. But by putting them on the free throw line, you technically create more opportunities for your team to lose. So those are my two cents. I do not think I would foul at the end. I would just guard and make them hit um, an incredibly difficult shot. Next game, Texas Tech versus Gonzaga. Number one defense in the league meets number one offense in the league. It's just a battle. And um, this one ended up Texas Tech got it done. Defense trumped offense. It helps as Texas Tech has a surefire NBA guy in Jarrett Culver. But this game was a battle as well. And this one was full of drama. Um, Perkins for Gonzaga ends up reaching across and fouling the guy, the inbounder, before he inbounds the ball, which I don't think I've ever seen that before. And that was called a flagrant one. So there were free throws and the basketball, and that was really it for Gonzaga after that. Um, So tough play there for Perkins, but um, that game was incredible. And that brings us to today's two games. We've got Kentucky versus Auburn. Can we please give the SEC some credit? Um, ACC and Big Ten have gotten a lot of the credit this year, but SEC basketball needs more respect. Um, Known for their football, but Kentucky and Auburn was just a heavyweight matchup. Um, Players and coaches getting after it. Pearl versus Calipari. Both guys are some showmen, let me tell you that. They are nonstop recruit mode. Um, So funny seeing Bruce Pearl kind of give this emotional speech to the Auburn faithful um, after the game. It's just, he's a pro. He knows what he's doing. Um, Both of those guys do. They are slick, and they both can coach. Um, Auburn, without one of their best players, found a way. I thought they earned that. The fact that they were down... Um, one of their bigs, and they still found a way to do it. Congrats to them. Um, Calipari team once again comes up short. What can you say? Auburn moves on. Um, And then the last game, literally just finished about 10 minutes ago, Duke versus Michigan State. Talent versus experience is the storyline here. Duke with lottery picks on lottery picks. Michigan State with those upperclassmen who've been with Izzo for four years. And experience won this time. Um, as far as basketball goes, Duke turned it over too much. And Cassius Winston, point guard for Michigan State, made him pay for every last one. Um, if you're a basketball player out there and you're undersized or you're not as athletic as as a lot of uh, other Division One players, Division Two, etc., just watch, watch Cassius Winston play. The way he changes his speeds, um, the way that he's thinking two steps ahead, is shows that you don't have to be an athletic freak um, to play at the next level. It does help, though. Zion Williamson, R.J. Barrett helps just a little. Um, shout out to this Duke team. Incredible to watch all year. Zion kind of made some people love watching Duke, which never thought I'd say that in my life. Um, but people were on the Duke bandwagon. But Duke couldn't get it done. Too many turnovers and zero transition points. I kind of... Give that to give that credit to Michigan State for not letting Duke get out and run and use that athleticism. These games were incredible. Um, saw a stat that said that. Um, I'm looking for it here. Can't find it, but these were the closest Elite Eight games as far as margin of victory goes ever, which just shows we were blessed for some incredible basketball. Here it is. This year's four Elite Eight games were combined were decided by a combined 18 points, lowest combined margin of victory ever in the Elite Eight. So, incredible games. Hats off to all the schools. And the Final Four is set. Virginia, Texas Tech, Auburn, Michigan State. 
Um, don't know who's going to win. Just going to enjoy watching them. And as a Duke fan, to know that Kentucky and UNC are also sitting at home watching, I'll just be able to root for Virginia and hopefully ACC can bring home a title. All right, all right. So this next segment of the show, I want to talk about the code. I need to get my phone open for this one because the code that I want to talk about is when you can and cannot talk trash to an opposing fan. Okay, I'm not talking like when you're playing in the game. I'm talking like fan to fan. Um, If you do talk trash, then I want you to know what the consequences are. Um, Because don't get me wrong, I love talking trash. I talk it often, but mostly when I'm playing a sport uh, or if I'm maybe watching with like if, if someone has decided, hey, let's watch this game together, then that's you're kind of inviting each other into a scenario where you're open to trash talk, right? But there's a code for a lot of other scenarios. So let, I want to focus on the times when talking trash is not acceptable, okay? Number one, the moments directly after a heartbreaking loss. Not cool to talk trash in these moments. If you do this, then know that you are damaging the relationship straight up so I want to read you some of these texts that I got literally right after the Duke game ended um, somebody sent me a picture of their bracket where they had Michigan State upsetting Duke and they even they were nice enough to give a disclaimer I know this has got to be a rough time for you and I don't mean to throw salt in the wounds but emoji 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 so bump that number two you can't talk trash if you don't have a dog in the fight If you know somebody's a diehard fan of a team and you barely even watch the sport, then don't start blowing up their phone just so you can feel better about your not as interesting life. Okay, once again, not cool. Let me open another text here from some people who don't follow college basketball. Let's see if Zion's clutch, dot, 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 and then Duke loses. I'll let it go this time. Psych, Michigan State, baby. Emoji, 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 emoji. Not cool. Number three, you cannot talk trash in-game. Actually, let me clarify. You can do this, but if you do, just know you open yourself up to the basketball god's karma and you better proceed with caution. I have learned that lesson the hard way, as most fans do. Not smart to talk trash during game. And lastly, don't talk trash to a person who you have not texted or spoken with in a long time or who you're just kind of cordial with. This just makes you look like a prick. I got another text from someone. Haven't heard from him in a while. How does it feel, man? My Spartans with the dub. So, again, not cool. And yeah, this is close to my heart because my phone blew up right after the final buzzer. Um, And to to those of you who want to say, oh, well, hey, they, they just do it because they know it gets to you. My response to you is, yes, and how does that make it acceptable? Since they know exactly what pain they're causing me, it is somehow back on to me. I'm sorry, but that's borderline psychotic. Right? If somebody literally knows how much that I'm hurting after a loss, and they choose that moment to kind of sink the dagger in deeper, I feel like it says a little more about them than it does about me. And I unapologetically ride or die with my team, as many of you do. Because if you're listening to this podcast, that I feel like you love some sports and you love some basketball, 
So hopefully you know what I'm saying. Um, if you have any thoughts about the code, moments when it is or is not acceptable to talk trash, then let me know. Leave me some comments. Um, and I'd love to hear your thoughts. Stay tuned for part three of this pod. here on episode three of Danalytics. Thanks so much for listening. We're going to wrap things up with one more conversation. I watched a lot of these games and I was amazed with some of the individual performances. And so I started thinking, um, what does it take to become a March Madness legend? Uh, We've seen a lot of these legends in the past. A few names that immediately came to my mind were Steph Curry, Adam Morrison, Tyler Hansborough, Christian Laettner, Kimball Walker, Um, And I think a few more were born for some fan bases this year. Um, Cassius Winston. And I want to focus in particular on two for Purdue. Ryan Klein. Ryan Big Shot Klein, as I was calling him the other night when I was watching that game. It was unbelievable what he was doing. And then Carson Edwards followed up. The Splash Bros. So here are some of my thoughts on what it takes to become a March Madness legend. Number one, it takes some sort of like underdog appearance to me or some sort of grit like Steph Curry right he's skinny he's small Tyler Hansborough he's a kind of undersized white dude who plays kind of goofy nicknamed Psycho T Um, Christian Laettner don't know if he necessarily had the underdog appearance but just he did kind of carry himself as like the rich white dude um, and had a lot of enemies and then Kimball Walker he was the undersized guard from UConn so Ryan Klein and Carson Edwards they fit that bill Ryan Klein, kind of the funky shot, um, not really athletic. Carson Edwards looked like a linebacker out there, but he's like he's short, and just the shots that he was making were unbelievable. So both Ryan Klein and Carson Edwards fit that underdog appearance style. Next, it takes some unbelievable shot making. Maybe it takes like a historic shot, like a 360 kind of flick towards the rim or just some amazing threes. Both Klein and Edwards were hitting some just unreal fadeaways with men in their face. Um, And it has to happen at the biggest stage. So you have to have the unbelievable shot making, but it has to happen at the biggest stage. doesn't really matter if it happens in the first half, but if when when it becomes crunch time and you're just hitting, getting buckets down the stretch, you are becoming a legend in the making. Next, I think it takes some physical emotes of passion what I, what do i mean by that i mean floor slaps when you're getting back on d i mean fist pumps when you get an and one i mean throw up the three fingers and hit yourself in the temple after you hit another three from the corner okay pump up your hands during timeouts get the crowd into it some sort of physical emotion of passion will get a lot of people to jump on your bandwagon and help turn you into a march madness legend a couple other things um it takes team success and a loyal fan base right if your team doesn't win your march madness legend uh, moments are going to be cut up short so you got to keep winning and then it really helps to have a loyal fan base um tyler hansborough was a unc grad huge fan base leitner's duke yukon purdue have some really loyal fans um and so the, your, those loyal fans will just start i mean wanting to build you a statue immediately I was, it, Twitter was a crazy place after some of these Purdue games of kind of how they were going to 
make monuments out of Ryan Klein and Carson Edwards if they had closed out that game and reached the Final Four. They still might, you know. But if they had made the Final Four, then their legend status would have been cemented even more than it already is. So, those are some of my thoughts. Um, We're headed to Minneapolis for the Final Four. I'm going to break down those games, obviously, next week. I'm hoping that we get as good a games as we got this weekend. Because, man, as a basketball fan, nothing gets better than March Madness. I'm sorry. But it's the sense of urgency. We just don't get that in a lot of, a lot of sports. Um, Major League Baseball just had opening day uh, last week. And I'm sorry, but 162 games? I don't really feel the urgency until October. Um, NBA season, there's no urgency. Most of the playoffs are set, right? Um, but college basketball, the, the four weeks we get in March and first week of April, nothing compares. And you see the amateurism at dis, uh, on display. Some of these guys who it's going to be their last time to put on a jersey officially. You see some of these coaches who have put years into building a program. You've got your one and dones who are headed to the NBA. You've got your fifth year grad transfer seniors. I just think the... Um, the drama is unprecedented in March Madness, which is why it's the greatest three weeks in all of sports. Well, that does it for episode three of Danalytics. Now that College Hoops is almost over, we'll have one more podcast that breaks down the final four, but I'm going to continue doing this. I have a blast doing it. I hope you enjoy listening. Uh, I watch a lot of NBA, so I'm obviously going to break down the NBA playoffs. I'm actually going to do a bracket for the NBA playoffs, and we'll make a prediction. It's a whole different ballgame when you got to win four games to advance. But we'll look at all the NBA matchups once the playoffs are set. I will talk some baseball. Um, I have actually some thoughts on some of these big contracts that were uh, made over the last few weeks with Harper and Machado and Trout. So love to know what you want to hear more of. Send me some feedback. Rate five stars on Apple iTunes. Subscribe to the pod so you get my new updates. I'm going to try to keep them weekly and keep them under 25 minutes. Thanks for your support. That's all we got today for episode three of... Analytics.